Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So are we good? Are you ready? You got your Bibles out? Uh, you, it's good to bring your Bibles to church, folks, and um, we, we read the Bible here. It's awesome. And uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't tried it, let me encourage you to do that. Because um, I've been talking about, you know, when you look in, uh, isn't it unbelievable that this week is going to be December? Is anyone freaking out and going, my life is passing too fast? You know, before I know it, I'm going to be heading into my early 40s and flipping all that in front of me, you know. Um, and go flip, it's another year has gone, but it's literally been like a blink, hasn't it? And you know what I often find? I often find that, uh, like, I have a saying which was coined many years ago when I was on holiday in France when I uh, nearly drowned. True story. And uh, <clears throat> we're at this place called Cote Sauvage, uh, which means the savage coast. For those of you French speakers, and the, 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 the kind of, if you, the name kind of gives it away a little bit, big massive waves, which are brilliant if you're like Adam here or whatever, but for me, um, let's just say, do you remember in P7, they used to take you at school and teach you how to swim? Remember those days, right? Well, I was always that kid who was sent out for mucking around, so like I would be sitting there trying to like drown my mate beside me and all that stuff, or weaken somebody's trunks down, all that stuff, right? As you do when you're kids. And um, don't be surprised, we all did it. And do you know what I mean? And so what happened was I was always, right, you, out. So I never actually learned how to swim very well. Now, Penny is convinced. She says to me every summer, I am convinced that you, that you can swim. It's just all up here in your head. And I went, no, it's not up here in my head. It's in my arms and my legs. It just ain't there. And she keeps putting me into the deep end of the pool. Now, she always says to me, by the way, are our policies up to date? Brilliant. In you get, you can swim fantastically. And that's a joke. And, uh, but I, I can't swim. And, and what I learned one particular summer was um, the, very, the very, very worst time to try to learn how to swim is when the waves are crashing over your head. That's the point where you kind of go, note to self, I've left this way too late. Do you get me? Six months ago would have been the time to enroll in the class. You know, I did actually look at it. And um, when Templemore across the road here was open, um, <clears throat> you could enroll for classes. And then I thought, but they're all kids. They're all like P6s. Can you imagine me standing there like, you know, what's your name? What's your name? Well, what's your name? You know, it's like, it would have been just way too embarrassing. So anyway, the, the point is that this is a brilliant, why, where, where, I don't know where I'm going with this. I do, I remember now. Here's the point. See, at this time of the year, right, what happens is one of the biggest distractions particularly around Christmas, actually, as we lose the point of what Christmas is about, number one, we get super busy and distracted. I'm going at the start of the year in January. I happen to love January um, because you can see it already, can't you? We're on because the nights are changing. That just brings me joy. I think of golf coming up in the spring. I think of all that stuff. I think of how much money we'll save on our electric bills. We don't have to put the lights on. All this stuff, he jokes, <laughs> you know. But I love the sense of it. But can I really encourage you that, that the word that the Lord plants in your heart today is, you know, when the word comes for today, there is grace for today. But often what he does is he builds you up for what's to come. Do you get that? He puts, because when the word, it takes time for the word to take root in your heart is what I'm trying to say. And so whenever you listen to the word today, it's, I want you to think not just about getting distracted for Christmas and all that stuff, but say, Lord, what are you planting in my heart for today, which is gonna bring fruit at the right time, because what happens is when the word, there will be a time in these next number of months for all of us, and it's, it's not, I'm not being a harbinger of doom, it's just life, right? Where what happens is, excuse me, what God has planted in us kind of meets 
in, in this moment of timing, with, with circumstances and everything else, because remember, he's, he's beyond time. He's already been in front of us, behind us in every other way. And so he, he comes to us on mornings like this, in this season, and goes, listen to the word that I'm planting into your heart. You know why? At the right time, you're going to see the right fruit at the right moment that you need it. Do you get that? And so what we have to do today is we have to, I'm going to talk about this, because I've been talking about um, what it means to be favored and, what it, um, and prospered and uh, in these times of craziness. So open your heart to say, Lord, do you know what? I receive your word for today. Your word comes and it takes root. I'm gonna speak next week. We will talk about Christmas, I promise you. No, way, but I love Christmas. We're gonna talk about Christmas from the week after next. We're gonna talk about Advent, Advenir, before he comes. I've got it all planned, don't you worry. And, um, but before that, I, I wanna talk next week about why it takes faith to, uh, to sow. And, and, and so you gotta have a heart which goes, Lord, I'm open. And I want to listen and receive. Amen? So, uh, okay, so let's get cracking into it. Remember I've said in Psalm 35, 27, it's, it, I, I love this, this verse. Um, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. <coughs> and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Let God be bigger who has pleasure or who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And what I had said is that like religion particularly has twisted this, this competing philosophies. There's a worldly philosophy which twists the word of God and because the devil can't create anything. He has no creative ability. His only ability is to take and distort that which the Lord created because the Lord is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Do you get that? And so the devil can't create anything in your life. He'll just distort what God has created. And what the world focuses on, I said, I'm going to give two minutes just to, to, to set the scene, is what we call materialism. And I've been saying that God wants you blessed, right? He wants you prospered. And that's not just about your money, although it includes your money. He wants you to be prospered in every way. If you say, Lord, I want to be fit and healthy, just give me an amen, yeah? I want to live long, you know, I don't want my, my days cut short. Everyone, oh yes, oh, the Lord gives and he takes away. He promised you long life, all right? I, um, I, I, I kind of, as I get older, you think about those things, don't you? You kind of think, flip me. You know, I'm, I'm entering into the second half here. It feels weird to say it, but that's the truth. And you kind of go, but I know that God says, I will be fit and healthy and strong in my mind and in my body for a long time. All right, because that is the favor and the prosperity of God. And but what, what the world has done, and particularly religion, has taken this unbelievable promise of God that you will be prospered and kind of turned it into the caricature of some mad, like televangelist type thing, where the word prosperity has become a dirty word. Because what we have done is we've taken the philosophy of the world, which is materialism, and equated the prosperity that God talks about with just this twisted view of what the world says, which is materialism, right? Does that make sense? And so what we do is we, we, we kick the baby out with the bathwater. And there, there are people who, like believers and not, uh, who, well, particularly believers who have money and who don't have money, um, but it's like, it's got nothing to do with God. You know, it's like we, we, we do, putting money and, and, and God together in the same sentence, sometimes we don't do that. We don't talk about that. You can ask people most things, can't you? But you, one of the things you'll probably never say to someone is, so how much do you make? Isn't that right? Like, what would you do if somebody, like in a social setting, went, hi, Alan, how are you? Brilliant. Looking good. Uh, <laughs> no, keeping them going. It's a wee joke. And um, <laughs> so, Alan, it's awesome. How yeah, you're brilliant, married, brilliant. So what's your salary then? Is anyone horrified at the thought of it? 
What have you got in your savings, that one? You know, well, you just go, there's no way we would do that. That's just awful, right? So there's this real churlishness about the subject. And part of that churlishness is, see, if you know, not that, you know, everyone bring your bank accounts and, you know, print them out and let's have a look. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, like, there should be no embarrassment with the favor of God. You get that? If it's about you, then you get embarrassed and you get sort of, oh, well, you know. But if it's about what the, the favor of God in your life, And remember, when God blesses you, it's not just for you. It's so that the nations will see in a time where there is famine in the land that God is real and that God's people have a better set of promises over their life through the covenant of his finished work. Do you get that? Whatever whatever religion says, that the Lord says this morning over you, the promises of grace are greater still, right? It's a better covenant. The old covenant has gone. It is obsolete, no longer fit for purpose. And so we're not going to be embarrassed. That's what I've been talking about. Because uh, the Hebrew word is shalah, isn't it? To push forward. So this, this sense of pr- being prospered means no matter what is going on, you're pushing forward, pressing through, carries this idea of thriving and succeeding in everything that you put your hand to. And so I, I also said that prosperity does not depend on your circumstances. Prosperity in the world's point of view is when everything on the outside is going in. And my point a number of weeks ago is prosperity is not what you have, it is who you have. And if you have Jesus this morning, if you're in relationship with Jesus, the Bible already says the promise of God over you is you are prospered right now. Why? Because the presence of Jesus, the presence of grace in your life is prosperity. And from that place, everything else flows. Do I get an amen this morning? So everyone, turn around to someone and go, you are prospered this morning. You are a prosperous person, all right? Amen. So what, the, the question is this. I, I want to I set something up, all right, for you this morning to go. There, there is something, though, about hearing this word and walking in the power of this word. And so I want to I wanna gently, for some of you, um, talk a little bit about how do you respond whenever God says, I want you prospered? Do you just sit there and go, right, brilliant, that's it? What's the pattern in the word? And, and even, you know, under grace, how do we take what is God's promise and actually start to walk in the fullness of that? Because it will torture you otherwise, won't it? Imagine being told all the time, God loves you, God wants you blessed, and never seeing anything change. Like, I'll be dead frustrated. Because what would we do? We would make that about us, wouldn't we? Well, if that's what God wants, but I'm not seeing it, obviously the problem, ergo, is something to do with me. And normally then what we do is go, it's my sin, it's my um, behavior, it's my attitude, it's stuff in my head that nobody can see, but the Lord sees it, and now he's punishing me for it, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Very quickly, we will make it about us. And we'll make it about our own lack and our own sense of not being good enough. But I wanna wanna help you today with a, a really... Like, it's a really well-known bit of the Bible, and, but it's, it's to show you that God actually, whenever he says something in his word and he reveals something, then he does actually expect a response from us. Do you get that? Because that's what the Bible calls faith. So keep that thought in your head because actually God is not just interested in our freedom. For, for example, like the world talks about, like if you talk about money, like, you know, the, the world talks about security in terms of money. God talks about freedom from anything to have to worry about money. Do you get that? 
Because there's no such thing as financial security. You can go like that, like literally in a moment. All the money that we have is in a system which can go like that. Don't have to scare the life out of you. But the, th the thing is, but that's the truth of it, right? And um, this is like, you get to this point in the good old days of when I was brought up, when they would tell you about the mark of the beast and all this stuff. And you're going to get something stapled into your forehead. And you'd go to Tesco's and never use money, but just like they would see your head and all that kind of stuff. Like, how anyone ever grew up normal in the church is just beyond me. If you never had that growing up in the church, you're flipping blessed, all right? But we were like, you know, you'd all wear white 90s and have things in your head and all that. And uh, crazy. And, but I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about just like financial security or whatever. It's, a, it's about freedom in every area of your life. It's not, it's not about money. I'll keep coming back to that. Because there's no doubt that times are challenging and they're difficult. But I, I just want to encourage you as well. It's not the end of the world, all right? Jesus is on the throne this morning. He's the one in control. He's above every principality, every power, every earthly system. And that even though our current context is one of fear, and it's actually the opposite of faith, I want to show you today how you're called to live when everything presses in against you, and then how you will therefore walk into grace. Because fear will suck the life out of you. It's not, can I just say this? It's never about the money. The money is a red herring that the enemy puts your, your eyes onto to keep you distracted. The Lord says in John 14, 1, don't let your heart be troubled. You get that? The work of the enemy is not to keep you in, in, in lack or anything like that. It's to keep you, he keeps you distracted from the promise of God, which is in these days, you will see my goodness and you will experience rest. Remember, we talked about that on Wednesday night for those of you who are at Bible study. In the reign of Jehoshaphat, after the battle, three days of the battle, picture of Jesus, not your battle, the Lord's battle. After three days, they gather up all the spoils and for the rest of Jehoshaphat's reign, it's quite hard to say, Jehoshaphat's reign, there was peace, okay? So actually what then the Lord says, the big deal is don't let your heart be troubled. And it could be finance, it could be something else, but the issue is just if the enemy can get to the root, which is to cause fear in our hearts, then all bets are off. So there's something that we can do to respond to the grace that's been given to us. Shall we read about it? And it'll help us to walk in it. Um, and if you turn to Genesis chapter 26 in your Bibles, okay, I'm gonna read about this guy called... Uh, called Isaac, okay? And if those of you who know the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Isaac is, is Abraham's son. And he is, Abraham was the, the father of faith. He received faith righteousness. So it says in the Bible, Abraham believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness. Hundreds of years before the law was ever given, Abraham believed God. He looked to the sky, if you can remember, and the Lord painted the picture of the gospel in the stars and showed him, Abraham, this is your future. And Abraham at that point was kind of still, you know, with his father-in-law terror, we're still worshiping Asherah and all sorts of stuff going on. But it was the grace of God to step into his life and go, actually, at this point, I'm going to establish a covenant of faith, all right? Faith to believe that when I speak, it will come to pass. So then Isaac is the son. Remember, Isaac goes up the mountain, Mount Moriah, you know, plunge the dagger, the ram appears in the thicket, all that stuff. That's like two minutes of biblical history for some of you, but there you go. So this is, this is who Isaac is. There was a famine in the land, okay? What does famine mean? Every time you read it in the Bible, literally, famine for them was death. It signifies lack, a lack of fruitfulness, a lack of return. It, it was an incredibly fear-bringing uh, thing because they literally would have died. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So 
the, the point is here, it's not just, oh, there was a famine, but like, you know, when the Lord speaks to Joseph and stuff and they're able to store up, it's like, this is a, a picture of like almost, and some of you will understand this, it's like never seeming to, to, to get through. It's like always feeling like you're just on the backside of it. Do you know what I mean? Like famine and more famine. Woo-hoo. Do, do you get that sense? Anyone? Okay. So, uh, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Philistines were people who didn't have covenant with God. All right, that's going to come up later on. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, right? Live in the land which I shall tell you. It's interesting. Uh, I'll, come, I'll come to it in a minute. Dwell in the land and I will be with you and I will bless you. What did I tell you prosperity is? Prosperity is no matter what's going on on the outside, you have the presence of Jesus in you and you're blessed. You get that? Egypt is, in the Bible is always a picture of the world. That's what Egypt means when you read it. So the Lord is saying, don't do what the world does. Stay where you are because if you have me with you, you are blessed. Now, the problem is we're going to look with our physical eyes and go, there's famine in the land. All right? So let's hold on. Let's get there. <clears throat> Where did I get to? Now, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give you all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. This is what he had spoke, the Lord had spoken to Abraham and in your seed, uh, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's down to verse four. So what the Lord is saying is this, and this is what he reminds you of today. What does grace look like in a land where there's famine? Well, first of all, he says, whatever you do, okay, you will never be prospered doing things the way that the world does it. Never. There is not a supernatural answer in the natural world. And many of us need a supernatural sense of faith and well-being and hope for tomorrow and actually a supernatural move of God in our search, in our situation, but we will never find that looking in natural means. Do you get that? Religion will tell you that you can. That's the insidious thing about having a religious mindset is a religious mindset will say no matter what it is, you can earn it from God. But you can never earn it from God. You can never earn favor because favor is independent of who you are. Favor is what God says here. He reminds himself. Remember, he says, I have made a promise and an oath in Hebrews. And so every day of your life, the Lord is reminding himself that he made a covenant with himself so that it couldn't be broken. And that he remembers the promises. He remembers the promises that he spoke over Abraham to go, no matter where my people go, they will know my presence and blessing with them. Why? Because that's my promise to you today. Amen? Somebody's got to remind themselves this morning and go, as I sit here today, right now, with all of my stuff going on, I am highly favored by God. Why? Because he promised and he never breaks his promise. Is that a good word? Now let's keep going. Um, because if we go down to <coughs> verse 12, because... This is where we're going to see Isaac then, okay? So Isaac is tempted to take things into his own hands because all Isaac can see in the natural is lack and famine. He sees everything that he cannot meet himself and he's afraid. You know, I think the Lord understands that. 
I think for Isaac, he, he felt the responsibility because this just wasn't just Isaac and the family, right? This was Isaac responsible for the whole, fa- the whole family. You know, it's like, you know that thing of Christmas that you dread? Well, no, I didn't say it out loud, did I? Um, you know, in Christmas when it's such a joy to have the family around and then I'm only kidding, right? I love it. My mom and dad come to us for Christmas and we, we do it great. It's all the other hangers on, isn't it, that come around and uh, you, you find yourself, I'm only kidding, right? I'm totally joking. If you don't know, I, I want to say if you're visiting, I, I love Christmas and I love my family. Is that, no, no, back it up too good. I've lost it, haven't I? I've lost the room. No, I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's one thing to, to, to do the spuds for us. And we have, a, me and my Matt, we've got a routine, right? I get the penny on, a bit of music, keep my mother away from the, you know, the other things that we glass of wine here and there. And mostly we'll get the dinner done in time. <clears throat> but then see when you're doing the spuds for everyone else coming, do you not feel the weight of responsibility? That's just me doing Christmas dinner. Never mind our Isaac here. He's got to feed them, clothe them, protect them, provide for them, them and all of their families. That odd cousin who you only ever see at Christmas and you don't really like anyway is around all the time and Isaac's got to look after them, right? You get that? The ones that you like and the ones that you don't like, Isaac has responsibility as the head of the family. And so no wonder he turns and goes, flip, how am I going to make this work? For the ones that I love and the ones that I don't love and everything else in between, if I don't do something, they're going to die. And the Lord says, Isaac, stay where you are. Now, um, let me get to it. So verse 12. So what does Isaac do? This is a principle that you find in the word of God. And it's one of the things that I think that people who sit under grace miss quite a lot of the time. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land. What? Hold on. You don't, you don't plant crops in a land that is dry and barren and not returning anything. There's nothing coming from the land. So why on earth would you plant where there's nothing to be seen in the natural? That makes no sense, does it? But look what he does. He plants in that land, not in another land, not in Egypt. And then in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. Because Why? He was smart. He was a better farmer than he was. His seed was better. He had lived a better life. Know why? Because the Lord blessed him. Oh, now this is going to be a word for somebody here. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. And he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become way too powerful. Isn't that a bonkers story? Now, I'm going to talk a wee bit more about it next week just to finish off. But I want you to, to just take a step back this morning. Look at the context of your life today and look at where you've been giving your heart and your attention and, and recalibrate this morning to the God who says, no matter where you are, you don't chase my favor. My favor chases you. But that is a statement of faith. Now, I'm going to explain it. Because what happens here is Isaac had had in his mind to go to Egypt. Why? He looks at the world and he goes, there's no famine there. So that's us looking at the world and kind of going, they've got it worked out. Over there, they're okay. And the Lord gives him a word and says, don't do it. All right? Don't do it. 
If I could really encourage you, that's why I started off today by saying this would be a really good time in your life to get a word about your finances and about your future in 2023 today before the waves are crashing over your head mid-January and you feel like it's all gone peak-tong, right? This would be a really, really good time to say, Lord, let this word come to me and let it take root in my heart because what happens is God is trying to say to you, you will be planted, you will find favor where I've planted you and you won't find it chasing it somewhere else. Do you get that? Stick where I've planted you and believe in that place that even though in the natural world it makes no sense at all, you're not called to live by what you see, you're called to live by faith in the Son of God. And this is a mind melt. It literally melts people's heads. Why? Because actually it's not about your head, it's about your heart and your posture of believing God. Because what happens, and this is, the, this is the rub, this is where I want to get to today. You know, because if we don't allow the word to change us from the inside out, we'll just follow the herd and do what we want. And Isaac's thinking very practically. Like I said, he's got to look after all these people. But sometimes doing what God says, staying where you are in the natural doesn't make any sense at all. It just doesn't make sense. You're gonna struggle with it because in the natural, you think, I'm gonna die. If I do this, I will die is the thought that many of us will have. I'll go under. And the Lord says this in Proverbs 3, some of the best known verses that people have. It's on every tea towel in every flipping Bible shop in Northern Ireland. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In everything, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Now, let, let, let me just, um, let me uh, help you with this. I think what God has said in these times is I believe over every family in this place that you do not need to be afraid about what's going on in a, in a world that's full of famine. Because when I look at you, my prayer over you is God, show them your favor as they respond in faith to what you have supplied in your grace. And I, my, my hope is not in anything else other than God blessing you richly. And God blessing you deeply. Why? Because that's what he loves for you. But it's really hard. It's really hard whenever we sit and we hear the word and it's, it's, we hear the word week after week and we're not, and, but almost like, you know, when our hands are closed, you can neither give or receive. Isn't that interesting? When your hands are like this, you can't give or receive. The Lord says, open your hands and trust me. Open your hands and trust me because then not only can you give, but you can also receive. And some of us need some help with that. So let me just, let me just explain it to you here. Um, some people will say to me whenever I give these words, and sometimes under, you know, there's um, some cuckoo teaching out there, right? It says, well, actually, I need, I need a word from the Lord on this. If I'm gonna be a generous person in a time of famine, this is why people stop giving and they stop tithing. I think, if, I think you're bonkers, quite frankly, not to put you under condemnation, but this is a time to sow. Can I tell you, way back in 2007, 2008, I left a really good job in a bank. And that was a bit of a gunk, right? Because um, you go from salary to no salary. But we did that because we wanted to start this church. And um, <laughs> one of the things that uh, I remember, Pastor Brian Houston, who we love and we honor that guy and uh, keep praying for him. But one of the things, he was actually in this very room, this room where you're sitting, right? And he said to me, Andrew, let me just give you one word of advice that um, will, you know, he said, number one, just keep turning up. That was it. He said, I'm going to hear things that keep turning up. I was like, okay. Little did I know how profound that would be. But number two, his thing was, 
Cut everything you want in the church, but never cut a heart to give. So always make sure you keep giving. Right? He says, because you can never afford not to give. And I was like, man, this is really, really interesting for me. And uh, looking at, 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 at that, and he said, because one of the things that it does, he says, you'll have people who will come and they'll be super creative around the rhema word, right? But he said, the rhema word never trumps the logos, the written word of God, right? And, and Hebrews 4.12 tells us what, that it, it, the word of God is alive and it's powerful, it's sharper than the two-edged sword, it cuts between soul and spirit. So what actually happens here is the Lord says, my word is there, it's clear for you. Stay where you are, do as I tell you, and sow when there is famine, as I direct you to sow, and you will see a return. This is what's called, this is the principle of what's called revelation and response. Do you understand that? Have you ever heard this before? So everything that the Lord asks you to do is not pointing the finger at you. He's asking you to respond as an act of your free will to who he has revealed to be. Do you know your whole Bible is that? Your whole Christian faith is that? Jesus revealed as the son of God. Jesus goes to the cross, dies for your sin. What do you do? You make your choice based on that, right? Does that make sense? So I choose to receive. Jesus reveals himself and he says, don't be afraid because I am with you. What's your response to that? Because Jesus reveals it, but he will never cut across your free will. So what he does, it's almost like he says, behold, I stand at the door here, I'm knocking, what do you see? I say, if you build your life on what I say the Lord says, then you'll be like building your life on a good foundation. But he also says, but if you don't, you'll get washed away. What's your response? I'm gonna reveal myself and show you a beautiful picture of who I am but I'm not gonna force it down your throat. I'm not gonna take away anything that makes you human, which is your ability to choose me. So just respond. So the whole world, like, it's like creation reveals God, we respond. And what happens here is that, that, that when we read these words, Hebrews 4.2 is really clear. I don't think I put it up here. Is that sometimes whenever, whenever Jesus is revealed in his grace, the reason why week after week or month after month, some of us have not walked into the fullness is because we haven't taken that word and mixed it, Hebrews 4 says, with faith. Do you get that? So it actually says in that verse that the word of God can be of no use to you unless you take it and mix it with faith. Now, faith is your ability to believe God that is given to you as a gift. So don't be worrying and going, I have faith, I don't have faith. You do have faith. Why? Because you have the faith of Jesus in you. If you're a believer this morning, you don't need any more. It's already in there. You need to exercise it and grow it, right? And so what happens for many of us, we go grace, 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 which is right. But the Lord says that, you know, you're saved by what? By grace? No, you're saved by grace through faith. So Jesus is always revealing and saying, how do you respond to what I'm revealing of myself? So Isaac's response was when the Lord says, stay I am with you, here's my promise. Don't go to the world, Isaac. Stay put. What's Isaac's response? Let me, in my response to that revelation is I will sow where you've planted me. So he, he mixes that word of grace with his faith to believe it. And boom, God moves. Does that make sense for some of you? 
So you see, what happens is whenever you operate in fear, okay, because you can hear the word of grace week after week and still have your heart in fear. Anyone? Oh, yeah. Some of you are going, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> not me, Posta. That's what Alan says to me every week. Oh, not me, Posta. No. <laughs> he loves it. And I, I, I think it's it, time and time again, I go in my own life, way back in 07, 08, when I left that job, and, um, and all the rest of it, because we had something in our hearts about God's grace and somewhere in Belfast that people could hear it. And um, I, I just knew at the time that we had the favor of God on us, but it took a whole lot of faith <laughs> and turning up and allowing God to actually honor his word in us. Do you get that? And I think that's where Pastor Brian was like on the money, keep turning up. Why? It wasn't about us keep turning up, it's built on your back. Keep turning up because in that faith response, God can move. It's like one thing of going, oh Lord, we'd love to have a place of grace. We'll go and get a building and open the doors, right? Do you see the, the difference? So in your life, if you want to be prospered, one of the things that go hand, almost hand in hand with, with being truly prospered is your ability to sow and your willingness to sow. Because everything outside of that will be just check in. I'm not, I'm not saying you have got to get this perfect, but I honestly believe God is setting you up for next year on this. Is to go in a land which is full of famine, right? Learn to respond in faith and sow as God tells you to. Because you will see, when you mix that word of grace with faith to believe, you will see prosperity like you've never seen it before. I believe that. I've seen God honor his word to Penny and I year after year after year after year. I've seen him honor his word to this church year after year after year. Sometimes in plenty, sometimes like literally going to the wire and everything else in between. But here we are, 2022, and you're sitting here this morning listening to yours truly preach the word of grace. Why? Because just like he said to Isaac, I promised, and with I promise, I back it up with all of my strength and might for you. Now, for some of you, I, I get that this can, this can make you afraid, all right? And, um, and don't worry if you haven't even got it quite right, you know? It's like God's grace is bigger than your mistakes. I love it. Because look what happens. I'm not going to read it. Um, but Isaac, you know, Isaac then starts to lie about, his, about Rebecca. You know, he says that Rebecca is my sister. And then he's caught having a wee bit of a canoodle with Rebecca, right? And the king goes, oh, hold on. You're canoodling your sister, right? That's not okay, even though I'm, you know where I'm going to go with that, all right? <laughs> Proof again, if you want to know that Isaac or was actually from Newton Arch, and uh, that's such a bad joke, all right? But it was his wife, and he gets caught on, right? He gets absolutely caught on. He wasn't perfect in any way. He, he starts to operate in fear. He cooperates, though, with God at the same time. You see, I think what we do is we, we disqualify ourselves and go back to square one, right? Because we know the things that we do wrong and therefore we go, all the bets are off. And so I can't respond in faith. Now, Isaac is messing it up and responding in faith at the same time. Do you get that? And God does what? Blesses his word too. God's favor will find you no matter where you are. God's prosperity will find you no matter where you are. 
Because it will never be about you and what you're doing, but it will always be about your response of faith to the word that he spoke to you. Do you get that? That's how you take the grace of God and you mix it with the gift that God's already put in you and boom, it happens. Isn't that amazing? And I think, I think for some of us, um, I, I just, can I just take about another seven or eight minutes? Is that okay? How are we doing? Is this okay this morning? Good, okay. I think, um, I think there is a bit of a thing of, of going, Lord, look, what's this like in real life? Just let me say three things about what Isaac happens here. You have a choice. When you have got something in your hand, like seed, the Bible says seed, right? When you've got seed in your hand, you've got a choice to make. And your choice is this. Do I, do I either eat it all or do I sow it and see it multiplied? I'm going to talk about this next week. One of the really difficult things that we face when we live by sight is when you've got something in your hand, you can't see what it's going to turn into. Do you get that? A seed doesn't look like a tree with loads of fruit on it. A seed just looks like a tiny seed. So it takes faith to go, this seed will be that. Does that make sense? And that's part of the difficulty when we're locked into living by, by sight and not by living by faith. Okay, by going, God, your grace is new every morning and I believe that and I see it and like, even as, as Adam said earlier on, even though I can't see it right now, what it may be, I believe today that this little seed will be something much greater. The difficulty is we just look in the natural at the seed. So you've got to make your choice and that's your choice. Your choice will be when God blesses me as he will, all right, and he will give you what you need. There's always stuff there, right, where he goes, now what are you going to do with it? Are you going to eat it? Are you going to sow it? Are you going to plant it? What do you want to do? He lets you choose. Like, there's no, there's no, no, I'm going to say no biggie. But don't think that God's not wanting to work in your life and show you abundance and prosperity and fullness. When everything he puts into your hand, you, you just eat it for yourself. And so Isaac made a choice. He made the right choice. You know, some people say you can't believe God for that. You can't trust God for that. But Jesus even talked about this. Mark 13, um, he talked about it um, and all the rest of it because in, in not only did Isaac reap what he needed, I think the thing of a hundredfold is I think in, in twisted prosperity teaching, that's become, you know, sow a seed and you'll see a hundredfold as, as being man, used to manipulate people. It's like sow a seed. To, I, like that. I, I particularly like the sow a seed to your pastor one. I was kind of looking at that. I'm going, that's actually not, I think those guys were onto something. I'm only kidding, right? <laughs> So see to your pasta and you will have, well, <laughs> yeah, don't do that, okay? But there was something about going, when I, when I looked at this story, not only did Isaac reap, you know, anything. Remember, this was famine land. Nothing natural could work in it. But God said, I honor my promise, so so. And God stands over that word and he's just watching it every day. And he watches it and he's now watching over the seed that is sown to bring about the fruit. Remember John 15. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 13, Matthew 19, Mark 10, right? That everything that is sown into the kingdom of God comes back in better quality and quantity, right? Now, here's the thing. I think in my life, if I don't see a hundredfold return, do I get disappointed? Nah. Because I always see like 20 or 30 times. You know what? There was a time in this church. Can I just help you with something? There was a time in this church where... Penny and I were actually ripped off very badly by people who were in the church, and I mean financially, and left us with debt as they cleared off somewhere else, right? And that was a, that was a debt that we carried personally. 
And um, I can remember, this is a word of testimony for, for somebody here today. I remember that grieved me. Um, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just about the, all the other stuff that went on, but it was about the fact that, you know, stuff was stolen out of here, like physical things, but also there was hard cash, money, which was stolen from us. And um, I, I remember thinking about that with the Lord for about a year and feeling really, really, really annoyed about it. And um, the Lord, the whole, whole way through it, was like, I remember sending a pen. It got to the stage where there was about seven or 8,000 pounds left. And we had it on a credit card that somebody had borrowed from us and just never paid it back. And um, I remember just looking at that. I remember the Lord, I remember saying to the Lord, you know, Lord, how on earth, you know, how do we take this? And because uh, it was like a constant reminder. And the Lord says, I'm going to prosper you where you are. So in my head, I had like stuffed this for a game of soldiers. You guys are all lovely, but I'm out of here. I'm going back to business. And the Lord then gives a word from Pastor Prince about Benjamin generation, about how God would bless. It was a different generation. And Marcel came and confirmed that to us. And I remember saying to Penny once, like, if I could just do one bit of work, right, that could clear that five grand or whatever it was, right? I would be so unbelievably blessed. Like, can you imagine just, because at that point, our mind was so beaten down, did not believe for anything. You get that? The word of the Lord comes. And he didn't say, oh, don't worry, my grace is enough for you. He did say that. He said, keep sowing. That was the word that the Lord gave Penny and I. Keep sowing. Hear me and sow. Hear me and sow. Fast forward a few years, we've seen a hundredfold return on that money. You can work it out through our business, right? Because when the Lord moves, now we've worked flipping hard in that business, right? But the Lord moves. And when he sees that and he goes, you know what? Where people steal from you, where people take from you, don't go to the world to try to sort it out. Listen to me. But what he never said was, don't worry, I'll, you know, almost like I'll take care of it. He, he was building faith in us to believe that no matter what it was, his word was bigger. Do you get that? And so see today, I just go, whatever, right? Part of me is kind of grateful for the, how, how, how wicked or mental is this? Part of me looks back and I go, isn't it brilliant in one way that they stole that from us? Why? Because I've got a testimony of God's goodness many times over. Yeah. And it's not about them, it's about his goodness. Because flip me, that was famine. See, trying to raise three kids on basically nothing, trying to keep a church together. But God never said, don't worry. He, he said, never worry about that. Just keep your faith on because grace has supplied it. So keep positioning yourself in faith for my provision. Amen. So I love this story because I see the goodness of God all over it. I'm going to finish. Um, I, it says, uh, like, the Lord favored Isaac with blessing. It wasn't just about money. It was about everything. You know, Proverbs 10, 22. I love it in the Amplified. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes us truly rich, and he doesn't add any sorrow with it. Neither does toiling increase it. I love that. It's this sense of when you look at this story, when God blesses you, he really blesses you. And you can see in this this. There was absolutely, this is the complete antithesis of people taking things into their own hands. Don't, don't live any, this was Isaac, who's making a mess, lying about his, his wife, Rebecca, 
you know, just lying to kings, doing all sorts of stuff, hiding things, all the rest of it, all the sin of the world, if you like. And God says, but I spoke a word over you. And I'm going to honor that word over you. So sow where you are and you will see a return. And the thing is, it interesting for me. It's like, I believe there is seed time and harvest for things. I think that's important. You know, I've talked to many people who get disappointed when they sow, particularly financially, and then they go, I, I sowed 25 pound last week. The Lord hasn't returned it yet. I go, part of me wants to smack them, go, shut up, all right? <laughs> Jesus is not a slot machine, all right? That's not the way this works. This is about me positioning myself into the safest place that we can ever find ourselves, which is in the presence of Jesus with his eyes on us and his promise over us. I want that for all of my life. I want that for my children, for my children's children, for my business, for you in this church. I want it for my home. Do you get that? I want it for my body. I want it all. I want the full prosperity. And all I do when I, when I respond to that revelation is I position myself for grace. Get that? So, um, <clears throat> I, has, this, has this been okay? Yeah, yeah okay, good. And um, because my head is, is pretty fuzzy. So the thing is, okay, I, I guess, I, I kind of struggled with this word this morning to go, do you bring this coming up to Christmas or do you just talk about angels and shepherds, right? And I was thinking, it's still November, I can get away with it. But I had this strong sense this, this week and that's why I've been talking about prosperity. I believe this is the word that Jesus is planting in your life for the, for the 12 months to come. Do you get that? I'm kind of fronting it up before Christmas so it has time to sit in your heart and in your spirit and to allow the Lord to build that faith in you. Because church, you know what? We're not gonna go into 2023 bowed down, cowed down, worried sick. I have this word in my heart for you that you're gonna walk into 2023 with your chest out, with your shoulders back, with your eyes on Jesus, full of faith and expectation that you're walking into your best days next year. And that starts in the cold days of January all the way through to God willing, we get to springtime and I get my spring back in my step, right? When we get to that place. But you know that thing of, we're not gonna go in and oh my goodness, this is terrible. But the Lord says, that is already written for you, okay? It's already there for you. But will you respond positively to me? to the grace that I've already given you. Take that word of grace and mix it with faith. And as Isaac did that, he was prospered way above and beyond what he could ever have done in a land in famine. Somebody give me an amen. So what are you gonna do this morning? What are we gonna do with this word that the Lord's given us? Um, I think that, uh, you know, if I could encourage you just in, in finishing, let's not have a lottery mentality, Right? lottery mentality is my ticket number will come up and therefore everything will be all right. I think that mindset actually violates the laws of prosperity. Um, to be honest, uh, Proverbs 10 is clear that when the Lord prospers you, there's no sorrow with it. And God also won't rig the system for you either. Grace doesn't rig the system. When the Lord establishes, it's, it's the law of faith, the word nomos is this word for law. It's not the law of um, performance, the, the, the mosaic law and that kind of stuff. But the law of faith is, is, is like written in, in how things operate. So, do you know what I mean? Not every time you hear the word law, do you go, ooh, it's terrible, right? So there's a law, a principle, if you like, of faith. Nomos is that, is that word in the Bible. And what that word is, is like revelation response. So Jesus, what's the principle there? 
Jesus says, I'll not overtake your free will. I'll just reveal myself and ask you to respond. Behold, I stand at the door, right? And so one, this principle is really important. It's an important principle to, to let the Lord grasp your heart with because, you know, you, you can make a choice. I, um, I want all the benefits of grace in my life. Anyone else? Yeah, 100%. But, and that's why we preach Jesus alone. That's why we keep grace at the center. But I don't want to say, Jesus, I hear your word, but I'm too afraid to step into what your word says. I want to make my choice to live actively in faith and to acquire, to walk into everything that he's done. So when it comes to my money, I'm going to sow. Amen? Now let that word sit with you. All right, just close your eyes for a minute. Can we have the, you guys want to get ready to sing? And um, I don't want to rush past a moment here. And um, I don't want to. What I want you to do is just picture in your heads as you sit there. Remember, the Lord puts faith pictures, gives you the ability to creatively think through and, and create pictures in your head about what your life fully prospered would look like. I want you to visualize it. I want you to think about that area where you struggle. And if you just go to a, an object, I think you're missing the point. I see people who are at rest. I see in my life a sense of supernatural peace and rest. A health and fitness in my body and in my mind. Well-established relationships. A sense in every day that I've got grace for the moment that I'm in. And that tomorrow is in the hands of my Savior who gave it all and knows everything that I need and has supplied everything that I need before I even get there. You know, when the Lord spoke to Elijah, the prophet, and told him to move, he told him to go to a place called there, and he had already commanded the provision to be there, the ravens to supply him. Whenever Abraham, even thinking about this story, was climbing Mount Moriah, the Lord had already provided the ram in the thicket. Before you even have a need, he has already moved to meet that need. So he says to you today, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't go to the world for what you need. Don't buy into the narrative of the world. Trust me, because you're going to see my goodness in the land of the living. It's going to be a life of believing in faith that for which grace has provided for you. Not to earn it or to grab for it, but to simply position yourself and say, Lord, I trust you. This unbelievable, beautiful message of your grace in my life, I believe it, Lord. And so I'm gonna sow. I'm gonna take that which you've blessed because seed that God's put in your hand came from him anyway. And I pray over some of you this week that where you, there's a fear that you need to hold and, 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 and eat it, that the Lord says, open your hand. Generously so. 
and what you will see is you being prospered and blessed and a return in this story it was in within a year isn't that interesting I just had the sense of preaching this today for 2023 I believe and I speak over you the goodness of God I believe that some of you will see a return that you couldn't even imagine in these days to come the Lord's not making you wait the Lord's not making you hang on I don't believe that I believe the Lord is wanting to show and build faith in you for this church and for this future that he is moving and so Lord honor your word I thank you Father that it's your word to perform Jesus that you promised us that you delight when we're prospered your word over us is you delight your heart leaps Lord even though we're messing it up continually every day like Isaac did here doesn't you know we heard it you know in the big scheme lord you go but you just say but i i promised you and we say yeah no lord but however what he goes no but i promised you i promised you that when i spoke a word over you that i was going to watch over it every day to see it performed but what about this lord it doesn't matter it wasn't about you anyway stop hurting yourself and putting yourself out of blessing just believe, just come and believe me. And you'll receive all that you need, the Lord says. Lord, I pray that word will go deep, deep, deep into people's hearts this week. We break the fear of bondage, that when there is famine around and the fear of famine, that we will succumb to it. Lord, you've planted us here in this church in for this time. Lord, and you haven't told us to shut up shop. You haven't told us to move on. You've told us to stay put and to believe that we will see your goodness. And so, Lord, that's what we do. And we thank you, Lord, that now we can rest in the goodness of your finished work, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, folks, and we'll take communion together. Father, we take this uh, bread in our hands today. And we, we, we thank you, Father, for um, your body broken for us, Lord. Thank you for health, Lord. Thank you for wholeness. Lord, we thank you for mental health. Lord, for peace and stability and sound minds in this place, Lord. Father, we thank you for the undoing of old patterns of thinking, Lord, and a renewal of, of people's minds in here. Lord, with faith and expectation for this week to come, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that whatever has happened last week, it is gone and it ain't coming back. And you say your mercy is new every morning. So, Lord, in our bodies, if you're sick this morning, just, you know, in faith, eat this morning and say, Lord, thank you for your body broken for me. Thank you, Father, that in every system of my body, in every bit of DNA, in every muscle and sinew and everything else, Lord, you are working right now to heal me and restore me and to fix me and to make me whole. And all God's people said, amen. And Father, we take the cup this morning. And Father, we thank you that, um, that your blood this morning is more than enough. It's everything we need. Lord, I just thank you that um, without the shedding of blood, the word says, there's no remission for sin. So we, we drink this morning. And Father, we say with our eyes on your sacrifice, we say, thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord, that every curse is broken. Every word of curse is reversed. We don't sit under anything other than the promise of grace. And Lord, we thank you that everything that stood against us has been dealt with in the work of Jesus. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for that truth. We will not live under fear. We will not choose fear because your blood has set us free. And when the sun sets us free, what does the word say? We are free indeed. So we drink and we say thank you, Lord. Now what we're going to do is we're going to worship together. Is that right? Yeah? Good? Have you got a good song, a belter to get us going? Yeah? Brilliant. And so what we'll do is we'll, um, we're going to worship together for this last, last bit of our service, just one song. We're going to lift our offering. And if the Lord's spoken to you today, if you've had something in your heart going, Lord, I need to break free of this, this, um, this lack mentality and this fear mentality, Lord, I choose to sow. Then be generous in how you give, okay? And be generous in what you do this morning and set that up as a rhythm and a cadence in your life. And uh, I think that's such an important word for 2022 or 23. Amen. So let's worship together. Lift up our hands and our hearts together. Let's pray.